Hello, and welcome to the official podcast of Bishop Malcolm Smith. These teachings are recorded live each week and provided not only here on the podcast, but at youtube.com. Simply go to youtube.com and look for Malcolm Smith webinars in the search engine there. We also want to invite you to go to www.malcolmsmith.org. There you will find other teachings by Malcolm, including books, videos, and MP3 downloads. And now, with this week's teaching, Bishop Malcolm Smith. The Lord be with you, each one. And I want to continue what we began last week, talking of radical grace. And thank you, those of you that have expressed how the Holy Spirit has made that very real to you. Well, there's a lot more to come. Grace, I say again, is the central theme, the underlying uh, foundation of our gospel. And so I want to read from John's gospel in chapter 1, and then let's have a conversation about this. And in case some of you are not familiar, even though this is a very well-known passage, but let's read it, take a couple of extra minutes to do so, So we begin in verse 1. In the beginning, of course that takes us back to Genesis chapter 1. We're talking about before creation. And it's speaking of Jesus here and calls him the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And that word in the Greek would mean face to face, even cheek to cheek, yeah, I mean, it's it's a word of intense intimacy. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him, in Jesus, was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And then we'll go down to verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 16, for of his fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. Now, I would be totally out of my mind if I suggested that I'm going to tell you everything that that whole passage contains and means. That would be a 12-week session in itself. But I want to extract from it what we're looking for here. It introduces Jesus as the Word. That's more than a title. It it tells us who Jesus is. And, And it's telling us of his relationship to the Father and also to us. And it began right there. We read it and I tried to throw in a word here and there that reveals Jesus, the Word, is the creation. He's the source of life. And so in Genesis 1, when we read through the creation account and it tells us, and God said, and God said, we are hearing there reference to Jesus, the Word. And so this is who we're talking about. Jesus was not an upstart prophet that had some jolly good ideas. Jesus is God himself coming to visit with us, more than visit, to unite himself with us humans. But he calls himself the Word. 
What 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 do we mean when we say word? What what does it mean that Jesus is the word? When I'm speaking right now, when I visit with you in any situation, there is a communication of who I am. I speak out of my heart if I'm a, a full, whole, complete human being. Um, so, so my words, what you're now hearing, that is the outspeaking of my inner, otherwise invisible person. You would never know who I am. You'd never know what I'm thinking. You would never know what I want unless I spoke it. So speaking is the outspeaking. It is the revealing of a person's heart. So when Jesus says that he is the word, he is the word of the Father. He is the outspeaking of God the Father. He is God from God. He is God the Son. He is God the outspeaking. He is God the revealer to us of God. And so when when we say the word, we mean um, the very thoughts of, of the Father are perfectly revealed through God the Son, the Word. We know what God the Father thinks about us because we meet those thoughts enfleshed in Jesus. Do, do you see what I mean? People seem to think that the Father is unknowable. He, we, we don't know him. In fact, half of the Christian population is scared of him. No, no, no. Jesus said, if you've met me, you've met the Father. Uh, he says, I and the Father are one. The Father is the Father. Jesus, the Son, is the Son. But perfectly reflecting the other, perfectly one will together. And so we, we meet the Father's thoughts about us. We, we meet the Father's desires for us. We meet in Jesus, we meet the intention of the Father for us. And dare I say it, the imagination of the Father, everything he has, and dare I say it, dreamed of who we should be in relationship to him through Jesus. Jesus then becomes the word or the purpose, the blueprint that the Holy Trinity has for you and I. You see, it's the Word, so it reveals to us the Father's love, which is indeed the love that Jesus has. But it's it's not merely a revelation, an abstract idea, this is what God is like. It is specific. Jesus reveals the Father and His own, the Son's, realized love for me, for you. It it tells me, he tells me the thoughts of the Father, the desires of the Father, the intentions, the purpose, the blueprint for me and for you. It's very personal. And, and, And so Jesus is that. We've finally met the invisible God in the purpose of Jesus, who has taken to himself our real humanness. He's an authentic human being, a hundred percent human being, while never ceasing to be a hundred percent God. He's come and he's talking to us face to face, and we're, we're introduced, we're invited into the very heart of God. Word. See, put it this way, I have many thoughts, but I don't say them. Because truth is, I'm not yet committed to them. When you say something, you are committed to it. It's said. And, and, and a lot of things begin to move into action once it's said. You, you could say that the word is the published intention. This is what I determined to do. Until I say that, we're not really moving. We're thinking about, we're walking around. And those are not exactly ideas we could use of God. But the fact is, when Jesus, the Word, when God spoke and spoke himself in the person of Jesus, that was telling us 
That's the whole point of it. He's telling us that he is committed to his total love for us. He is committed to his blueprint for our lives revealed in Jesus. It is the public announcement of his giving his very self into our humanity. Or you could put it this way, in saying it, he is telling us all bridges are burned behind him. There's no U-turn, there's no going back. Or you could say this, the word, it is the announcement that the Holy Trinity has made up his mind about you. And that's done. We don't discuss it anymore. It's done. He so passionately, crazily loves you that he gave his very self to come and sit where we sit. You see, he does. Don't laugh at this because in today's world it means a lot. God didn't send us an email to say, I love you. Um, doesn't send us a, a tweet or a text and give us some of those idiotic, you know, what, BBF or something. He, do you understand me? I'm not trying to be silly. He doesn't even speak now through a prophet because that would be secondhand. The prophet got the message, he passed it on. There was a time for that. But now this is it. This is what the entire creation has been moving toward. This is what every prophet has anticipated and spoken of. No more messages. God comes himself and he comes into our humanness. He didn't float around as a light and announce to us in sonorous terms. He became a babe in the womb. He became a toddler. He became a teenager. He became a young businessman. He became 100% human, entered into our situation, assumed our history of human race as his history. Couldn't get closer than that. And to this day, for he never shocked off his humanity. To this day, even as I'm speaking, Jesus has that human body that was born of the Virgin Mary, now glorified in an ascension, resurrected body. But he's never, never departed. He's still one of us. Still has a memory of going to get water from the well. See what I mean? God became flesh. The Word, this outspeaking of God, became flesh. Not a disembodied spirit, but God inside this stuff had fingers, toes, had a beating heart, had a liver, had a gallbladder. You see what I mean? He became one of us. Got inside our brain, our thoughts, our imagination. And in that humanness, he spoke the invisible God into visibility, became flesh. Or could I use it like this? Um, it, it says he tabernacled among us. And there, that has more meaning. But one word would be he tented among us. He set up his tent among us. He came and lived in our neighborhood. God moved into the human ghetto. He moved into our neighborhood. He, he got a house next door to us, you see. He's on our street. He's joined us where we are. Or you could say this. The owner of the business, aware of terrible trouble down in the factory, he, he becomes one of the workers. He gets a job in his own firm. No one recognized him. And he comes and he works on the factory floor in order that he can know the hearts of his men and women from the inside. You see what I'm saying? Let, let me stop for a minute there. I said tabernacled. 
It does mean what I've said. He came and made his abode with us. He joined us where we lived, became one of us. But tabernacle, that, that's an um, Old Testament word, you know. That was the tent. When, when they were traveling through the wilderness, uh, he, he had his tent. And that's where the glory of God dwelt, in the middle of the tent. And then when it was moved and, and, and they built a temple, Solomon built the temple, and the glory of God came to live in the middle of the temple. But the people rebelled against God, basically evicted God from their midst. And so Ezekiel in the first 10 chapters show the terrible story of God moving out of the temple and gradually moving out until he's gone and there's no more glory in the temple, just an empty room in the middle of it. But always with the promise he was coming back. Well, says John, he's back. Only now he's not in a tabernacle of cloth. He's not in a temple of stones. He's got inside us. Whoa. Do do, do you realize what we mean when we say incarnation? God has come inside the human. And there he lives. Of course, he says here, that's been anticipated for a long time. He said, the law came by Moses. That, that was, the Old Testament is not a lost cause. It isn't that Moses got it wrong or, no. The, the law was given to a people that were in such blindness and chosen darkness that it would take a thousand years uh, to get even begin to get them in a position where they could think of a savior coming and, and so the law pointed and and the law i mean it's it's beautiful it's summed up in two magnificent sentences the the whole torah the law that moses gave is summed up you shall love the lord your god with all your heart and mind and soul and strength and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the rest of the law is just really putting that down into the details. Oh, it was magnificent. The trouble was, in its magnificence, it couldn't help you. It only pointed to this is the way covenant people are. And when mankind tried to rise to that, they utterly failed. And they found within them something that didn't want that. Oh no, the law came through Moses, but it's not antagonistic to what Jesus did. He fulfills it. He brings it to its glorious end and a new beginning. So it says the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through or was realized in Jesus grace. Oh, stunning, astonishing, amazing grace. The infinite, the limitless, unboundary gift of God. And he said, with that grace, truth came, or truth was actually revealed by the grace. And truth means the underlying reality That is, everything that the law of Moses pointed to, all the commands, all the shalls and shall nots and do's and don't do's, they all pointed to a day when God himself would come and that law would be swallowed up in him. He was the underlying reality. He is the love that the law demanded but never gave power to fulfill. And when finally, what it was all after, what it all pointed to, when it came, it said it was grace, grace, grace. So what is it saying? This word from God, this word which in fact is God, this word which reveals God, this word which reveals God's purpose for us, this word that is empowering to achieve what it says, 
this word, who is Jesus, is the grace. Jesus is the realization among us humans of the way God is. Grace, giving. He is the gift. The gift that is bigger than the cosmos. The gift that is small as what you're weeping over as you sit listening to this message. The gift. Or you could say Jesus is the limitless favor of God toward us humans. He has a bias toward us. He likes us. He loves us. He favors us. He blesses us. But it's all through Jesus. Jesus is the gift, you see. Jesus is God giving us God. The gift. He comes... Did I, I said Jesus is God becoming human and moving into our neighborhood, moving into our ghetto, to, to use a biblical term, to abide with us, to live next door to us, actually to live in the same house. But now I'll go further and say he came to live in our neighborhood in order to bring us into his neighborhood to bring us to dwell in the presence of the Father. Him, along with Him, the Son, to be living there in the Holy Spirit, to dance with the love of the Father toward us. Wow, what a thought. God came into our neighborhood to pick us up and take Him into His neighborhood. So the gift, hear me very carefully, the gift, this grace in its heart is relationship. Please get this. I'll be talking more about it as we go on, but get it right now. The grace of God describes the relationship that Father and Son and Holy Spirit desires for us to have with them and comes in person to achieve it. Did you get that? The grace of God is the establishing of relationship between you and the Father through the Son in the work and power of the Holy Spirit. See, I say that because people tend to talk about grace as a sort of, well, just a thing. I don't know. I try to understand what people mean. You know, I, I need grace for that as if it's a bit of divine stuff that is given to us. Grace is the person of Jesus who establishes realizes the relationship that the Father and Son and Spirit has desired to have with you since before you came into being. It's relationship. Now, inside of that, and along with that, comes all manner of, yeah, things. So it says, he that spared not his only son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? And so we know grace and strength to handle life situations. We know grace that undergirds us as we go through trial and tribulation. We know grace that, that meets us when we feel we've come to the end of all our ropes and so on. Grace can grace has a million faces. But when you go back to its heart, it is the person of Jesus coming to dwell within us and us within him as a present second by second reality. And he's ever, he is the gift who is always giving into whatever detailed moment we find ourselves in. And let me throw this out too. The word became flesh. The word became flesh. 
I suppose I've already said that when I said not a disembodied spirit, but just think about this. Flesh involves everything about you. I I know where it comes from, and I don't have any time to even begin. But here in our Western culture, which involves all of us Brits, of course, and then all the people who live in the United States and Canada, and of course that would include South Africa, it would include Australia, New Zealand, wherever the Western culture went, and of course now through television is going everywhere, there, there is a division in our minds. It's a division between my flesh and all its involvements with life from what I eat and what I put on the flesh and where this flesh sits down to eat and goes to bed to sleep and visit and relate and all that's to do with this body, you see, in in the minds of our Western culture. And and when I go to work in the morning, well, that's a body-flesh thing and I wish it would be over with and and then the, we, we separate off the spirit, and the spirit is all that fun stuff we do on Sunday, and, and, and maybe 10 minutes a day or something. And, and, and no, 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 you see, the Bible doesn't know what you're talking about. That is 100% something that we think here in the West, which has done some very bad things. No, you are a whole person. Look. When when your heart delights in the love of God, do you know that actually puts into your physical body, into your brain cells, it puts massive positive life? Yes, they do, they've got the machines that see that. And do you know that every time that you are full of anger and revenge and bitterness and complaining and whining... That it puts into your brain cells all manner of negative and it releases poison into your body. It's on a machine. Scientists have found that. It took them 2,000 years to catch up with the Bible. But you see, you're not a body and a soul and a spirit. This body is not your earth suit. You're not like an astronaut that can put this off when you're done. I am expressed in my body. When I feel ashamed, when I feel embarrassed, my body turns red. See, oh, you're, you're one person, for goodness sake. God became flesh. God took this. God, and he still has it. Only glorified as ours shall be in resurrection too. It's not a spiritual event. God became flesh and joined us. Joined us in our body, our mind, our emotions. Joined us in going to work. Joined us to carry us into his new creation. That's the gift. God has so joined you. He knows what you're going through at your body level. He knows he's experienced going to work in the morning. He's experienced the problems that happen at work. His experience, relationship, he's lived in a third world village. He's lived in an extended family. I mean, everything that we, God became flesh. His gift, the gift, the grace of God came into every minuscule part of our life. There is no part of your life where the grace of God didn't come and isn't. To be found now. Wherever you go in life, you'll find the footprints of Jesus all over the place. He's been there. God has joined your experience in Jesus Christ. And said, John, we beheld his glory, which uh, probably best translated as, as we gazed in awe. We gazed in wonder, astonished, amazed that God's love came into our human to carry us human into relationship and fellowship with the Holy Trinity. Or to discover, Paul said in Corinthians, do you not know that your your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Yes, it's all gift, total gift. You cannot pay. 
You cannot insult God by introducing the idea of paying or counting a cost. It's his gift. He gives. He's gifted us with a complete knowledge of who God is and what God wants. And he's gifted us with himself to come and dwell in us. The gift, if you can hear it again, is in that gift of Jesus. You are, God has made up his mind about you. Can, can you make up your mind with God's mind about you? There's no more discussion, please. God came because you are the focus of his love. He came and he removed your sin and declared you righteous, a covenant family member of the Holy Trinity by sheer gift. He's made up his mind. Now let's start living, believing in that. And it says, of his fullness. This is still commenting on who he is, but it's building to its point of his fullness. This word fullness is quite a word in the New Testament. We might even revisit it later. It, it It means what it sounds like. It means to be filled to the full. Filled to the full. Brim to the top. So it says that Jesus, the fullness of Jesus, was that meet him, and you're meeting God the Son. But God the Son perfectly tells us who God the Father is. So I meet the Father. And in meeting God the Father and God the Son, I do so with eyes made open by God the Holy Spirit. And so in Jesus Christ, I meet the fullness of God, the Holy Trinity. You can check it in Colossians 2.9. It says that the fullness of the Godhead dwelled bodily in Jesus. And and it speaks in Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 2. It speaks of the riches of his glory. It speaks of the surpassing riches of grace that are in Jesus. Grace, you see, is not a sentimental bagpipe thing. Grace, grace is God, the fullness of All that God is, all that God desires for you came to us in Jesus, the fullness. So when we speak of the Holy Trinity, when we speak of all that God is, we don't go to a dictionary of theology. This isn't something that sits in a theological library covered in dust. The fullness of God is dynamic. As I've said before, God is the ultimate verb. He's action. He's doing. He's coming to you. Now, in Jesus, I meet his limitless love that has joined himself to us, sat on our wooden stools, eaten porridge on our wooden tables, God joined us, for real. That's how much he loves you. He didn't shout at you from the sky. He came and sits with you right now. The wisdom of God is is not a vague, esoteric thing that you read in tomes of... No, it's all hidden, says Colossians 2. It's all hidden in Jesus, the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Exactly what the Father wants for you is found in Jesus. And the power to achieve that comes to us by the Holy Spirit given to us through Jesus. God now in us, God working with us. Gift, gift, gift. I mean... 
Are you getting this? I mean, I, I'm, I'm walking around this trying to find a word that would just sum it up, but you can't. I'm still trying to say what this grace is. I mean, gift to the nth degree blows the dictionary apart trying to define it. It's favor. Could you be a more favored human being than that God has joined himself to you, to your family, to your workplace, to your decisions, to your opportunities and challenges? Grace, the gift, the blessing that, that you, you are called into this relationship Joining your work, joining your house, joining your relationships of domestic scene to God so that he lives where you live and you live where he lives. That's grace. That's his gift. Another meaning of the word grace is beauty. You know, we use that almost, you know, a, a woman, we say she was graceful. Means there's a certain gentle beauty. It's an old meaning of the word. If you want to see beauty, you look at this God and stand back in awe and wonder. If you want to see joy, which is another meaning of this word. When Jesus rose from the dead, he greeted them and said, Joy to you, using this word grace, joy. Here is ultimate generosity. We stand before this gift. We we can't. That's why religion finds itself a necessity of the flesh. The flesh said, I cannot receive this as a gift. I must pay for it. And so religion says, I'll help you. And immediately religion had a job. Religion found its place because mankind could not comprehend a God that gave and gave and gave and did not say you must do this before you can get it. But he gave to us God of generosity, God of limitless bounty, God of goodness, God kindness, God giver. Grace, you see, is not so much what you get. Grace is the giver and the giver becomes the gift in Jesus. Grace upon grace. It's the gift that rises spontaneously, freely from the heart of God. It just is. He doesn't say you can have this if you. No, grace means God gives without any demand, without any return. He just gives. He gives because that's the way he is. This is the way love is. Love bestows this gift upon you because that's the way God is. And in so doing, as I said last week, he sets a value on you, sets a worth on you. Oh, I, I hear so many believers and I, I hear them within a congregation and the, it comes out in a many hundred different ways of I'm not worthy I'm not good enough I heard it just the other day the chap said well we always sin don't we what <laughs> read the new testament you, we, we, and, and people think that's being humble isn't it utterly ridiculous you contradict God in order to say I'm humble Look, I, I can make a case we're not worthy. Of course, we're creatures. God is creator. He has, doesn't have to do anything with us. Unless, of course, that creator is love. And that changes everything. And that tells us why he created us in the first place. But you see, as I, I said, and I've got to keep saying it, this whole thing is, is above worthy, not worthy. We're not talking about that. God has come to us in Jesus. He neither valued us as worthy or unworthy. It didn't come into the picture. He valued us in that he loves us and willed to give himself to us and in so doing include us into himself. That's grace. So stop all this. Yes, it is. It's religious circus. 
going around saying, it wasn't me, it was the Lord. I'm not worthy. Oh God, we are so unworthy. We are such sinners. I say in the name of Jesus, shut up. And put up your hands and begin to give praise to God. Join John here and say, we beheld his glory. We say, dear Lord, this is too big for my brain that you love me. You include me. You have come to live in the neighborhood of Malcolm. You've come to dwell in my house, to turn my house into your house. That's grace, you see. So the grace of God is never abstract. That is never just a word hanging out there, sentimental religious stuff. The grace of God is the person of the triune God uniting with us, doing his blessing in every minute area of our life, favoring us in every second of our life, being good to us at all times. You could say grace is the Father loving you so much that he gives. And the gift that he gives is his son. God the Father gives. And the gift that he gives is God the Son. And God the Spirit now presses the gift of the Son and the desire of the Father, presses that upon you. You realize Holy Spirit is the, the one who implements the gift, who, who presses the gift, who reveals the gift is there, and who implements, who connects you to that gift by his love power. God, Father and Son and Holy Spirit have one agenda, and that is to give their very self to you. And I say it again, to your total person. I have to keep saying that because, as I say, our Western world has carved us up like meat in a butcher shop. And, and, and if you got, you think about your brain, we call it psychology. If, if it's a, about your body, it's the doctor. If it's about your spirit, it's the church. And we go, right, no, no, you're one beating person, pulsating person in whom God dwells. So your business that you work at, he dwells in that business in the same way that he dwells in your spirit. There's no difference. He's into your shopping at the grocery store. He, he, he's there, totally involved in your buying clothes and shoes and, and going to a football game, going to a theater, delighting in music. He, it's there. It's your life, isn't it? He's in the middle of it. He came into your neighborhood. And the grace is all over that. And in exactly the same way as when you are praying or reading your scripture or doing witnessing of whatever, there's no difference. He fills. He fills. He fills it all. God became flesh. The gift joined us in our spirit, our mind, our emotions, our body, our workplace, our relationships. And it never ceases. For the gift, by its very nature, is continually giving into every minute. Or you could say there's a continual unwrapping of this gift when I went to Russia, I was fascinated by the... Have you ever seen... I don't know what they call... There is a name for them. But, but you'll buy um, a little statuette. Um, back when I went there, it was of um, Yeltsin or somebody. And, and, and you, you bought... But then it opened and there was the same thing inside. And you there's not inside. And so you, you actually bought five, six, or even ten little statues, but they're all wrapped up inside of each other. Very Russian thing. Well, when I saw that in, in Russia, I thought of this. 
It's grace. Every time I think, well, that's it. I, I've seen the grace of God. And then the whole jolly thing opens up and I see like I've never seen before. And then I open that up and I see as I've never seen before. <laughs> and I realize I'm getting deeper and deeper and deeper into this river. And all it does is keep opening and keep opening. And that's why he calls it the, the riches of his grace. That's why it says the treasures of wisdom and knowledge that are hidden in Jesus. Or Peter says in his epistle, grace be multiplied to you. Not, not just grace, but grace multiplied. That's a lot more than added, isn't it? Four and four make eight, but multiply four by four and it's 16. Oh, this is multiplying of God's grace. Or as it even says in the Old Testament, new, fresh, every morning are your loving kindnesses. An Old Testament word that is very close to grace. The grace of God. We said grace upon grace like the waves of the ocean. Well, think of, of this as, as like the current of a river. You know, it, it's hardly to be seen on the surface, but you, you, you get your feet there, you feel there's this pull. Put a boat on the river and it, it's being pulled by the current. I don't know, maybe I'm waking you up to, I pray God I am, but... There's been the pull of God's grace in your life when you didn't even know there was grace. He pulls you. This grace has come. That, that was John's introduction to the gospel. He's telling us this is so. He has come. And he, he said, uh, we beheld his glory and of his fullness we have all received. This grace is. You see, you, you don't live in the times of Jeremiah the prophet or Daniel or Obadiah. Then we would have to say there's something coming, something so glorious and so on. No, he has come. He has come. He has lived our life and he has embraced our death and conquered it and stripped our tyrant Satan of all authority in life. And when he rose from the dead, that was the end of this death-doomed creation. Another one has begun in him. He is completing Genesis 1 and 2. He has brought the creation where it never did go. Sin interrupted, but now he completes it. And he brings it beyond death, beyond Satan, beyond the power of sin, he brings this creation to be united by sheer gift to that relationship with the Father that he has by eternal nature. It is so. The Holy Spirit is God coming to tell you that. The Holy Spirit is what you are sensing in my words, getting a hold of your heart saying it is so. It is so. It is so. And so the New Testament, and I'm sure we'll have to take more time on this, but it speaks in Philippians 1 7 uh, of the. Paul is speaking to his audience and he says, You and I together, we are partakers of the same grace. You see, that, that, that's the commonality between us, that's our fellowship. That you and I are partaking together of this grace that I'm talking about. That's why you come back here every week. And I've already said Colossians 2.9 where it speaks of Jesus being the, the fullness of, of the Godhead. Well, um, next verse or even next sentence says that you are complete in him, which if we could get into the Greek meanings there, it simply says that Jesus is the presence of the Holy Trinity among us and you now, because you're united to him, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit live in you. That's Christianity 101. That's not deeper life. That's who you are. Wake up. That's who you are. Ephesians 1.20 says that you and I 
other fullness, that word, fullness, of him who fills all in all. Do you know who you are? Oh, get away from all that religious stuff that puts you down and crushes you. That, that going to church once a week just because it's Sunday. Come alive. You are in him and he's in you and the fullness of God himself dwells in you because of him, through him, by him, and through the Holy Spirit. And then Ephesians 3.14, it says that you might be filled with the fullness of God. Same word, fullness. But it says you might be filled with the fullness of God. And that word filled, I mean, it's almost the same thing as fullness, but that word filled it was translating back there in the Gospels when they caught all those fish and they couldn't get another fish in the net. Do you remember that? And they used that word. They said the net was filled. It means crammed full to the top of fish. Okay, well, you are crammed full to the top with Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. It's who you are who you are and it says that is so because of the power that is the holy spirit who has brought to you this gift this grace look every day you get out of bed before you get out of bed as you anticipate the day and every hour that you walk into and every task that you put your hand to every opportunity that arises before you Every challenge in your face, every temptation and trial and pressure. Remember, you live inside of God who is ever giving you whatever strength you need for this minute, whatever wisdom you need to do your job, whatever creative impulse you need, whatever love this moment demands. He's there giving and giving and giving and giving. And that's the way he is. That's who you are. That's what Christianity is. And so I receive and I receive and I participate and I partake. In fact, it says of his fullness, we have received. There's more than one word in the New Testament for this idea of getting gifts. This one means to grasp or to take because it's been given. It's, it's like saying that gift has my name on it, so I go and take it. You're not passive in this. You, you, receive, you take the gift that has been given. Why? Because that's who I am. Remember? That this gift that is centered in Jesus, this gift is how... God has made up his mind about me. He's telling me what's inside of this gift. This is who you are. So I take the gift declaring this is who I am. This is mine by grace, by the gift. I'm a complete human being. I'm whole. I'm put together in Jesus. This is mine. Incidentally, we'll come back to this, but I just throw it out. To thus receive and live and dwell in this gift, this grace, in all its manifold multiplicity of application is spiritual warfare. There is a place to rebuke the devil and all that. But some people spend their life shouting, screaming, stamping, shaking their fist at the devil in the name of Jesus. I'll not go there, but spiritual warfare actually is standing in the grace of God and having done all, standing in the grace of God. You see, every temptation you have and every darkness that comes upon you is to move you away from grace. That is the temptation. So you're, you're tempted to do something or be or whatever. And, and what's the, what is the meaning of that temptation that you should do that? No, no, no. 
The temptation is that you should look at that that calls you and say, I won't do it. I won't do it. I'll try not to. I'll try not to. I promise you, God, I dedicate myself. No, I won't. What are you doing? You've returned to the law. You've returned to, I will try. I will try. No. Actually, if you really do that intentionally and knowing what you're doing, that's an insult to God's gift. You're you're refusing his gift and replacing it with, I will try. No, as we're called and we're tempted, we stand into the grace and say, Lord Jesus Christ, you are my strength. You are my life. You are my new mind. You are my new desires. And I revel in and I rest in and I declare My life is your life, and you live, and for me to live is Christ. We're given opportunities and challenges and all that. And what does the law do? The law said, if only you had in the past done this, this wouldn't have happened. You ought in the past to have prepared yourself for this. And so we go back to the past, and we shame, and we anxiety over it. Or the law says, one day in the future, when you've got your act together, when you've read your Bible more and prayed more and done all those other things more, then, then there'll be revival. Then, then, see, grace simply says, facing this challenge, Lord Jesus Christ, you are my strength, you are my wisdom, you are my courage. And I face... These people that are impossible to live with. <laughs> Lord Jesus, you are my long-suffering. You, you, you are the blessing within me wherewith I bless this people. You are my patience. You, you are my love. And so on, you see. Or as Paul said in Galatians 2, we do not frustrate the grace of God. We do not insult him by putting aside grace to try and handle it ourselves. You look at your finances and start wondering what you've got to pay God in order to get some activity from his side. Nothing. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. All these things shall be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God. What's the kingdom of God? But the grace of God exploding, bursting into our human life. And so we rest in his grace that He cares for us. He's our Father. And we praise Him for His care as we stand in His grace. And I'll give another hour to that later on. So what can I say? This is who you are. Can you you begin your day by the words, I am? See, when you say, I am, you are echoing what the Father says to you through Jesus the Son in the power of the Holy Spirit. See, I am. I am this day in Christ. This day, my whole day, and all its persons, we are in his neighborhood. We, we dwell where all the laws of heaven take place. That's who I am. Anticipate your day like that. This day, in all my dealings with people and life, I am favored. I am. I am blessed. I'm empowered to live. You see, all those, that's, I'm defining grace, but to do with you. That's who you are. I am. I'm, I'm a man, I'm a woman, united with Jesus Christ through the Spirit. And for me to live this day is Christ. This day, all of me, my spirit, my mind, my emotions, my body, my work, my home, I am in the power of the Spirit, living out the love of God. I embrace every challenge for I am endued with the very strength of Jesus and his love Every opportunity I walk through it in the strength and the creative wisdom that is Christ in me. 
That's who I am because I am a man. You are a woman to whom the grace of God has come. And we now become those who revealed that grace and lived that grace. Well, I hope this has been a great hour for you and given you enough to mull over and nourish your spirit until we meet again because there's a lot more to say about this. Another blessing of God who is almighty love, endless giving, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, His blessing rest within you, His favor surround you, and His power carry you, and His love embrace you throughout every day of this incoming week and all the days of your life. So I bless you. And that is the way it is.